630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, I don't know if I've ever done this before. I'm going to bring in a caller in the first 20 seconds of the show because John has already called in on the open line 780-496-0063. John, we're breaking new ground here. What's what, Why are you so eager to talk to me? Hey, that's exciting, Reed. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, just two things. One, the helmet-to-helmet hits. I mean, there's been a lot of comments about it, but what has to happen, I don't know if it has already, but the, the Len Rhodes and the board of directors of the ESC have to send a written request to the new CFL commissioner and ask him for the refs to review the last two Eskimo games with a specific reference to helmet-to-helmet hits on Mike Riley. And so if, you, if the new commissioner will call the head of referees, he will get the referees together, they will review the film. They might have even done it already. And then the head of referees is going to say, okay, that's direct helmet-to-helmet hit. So uh, this wasn't called because you, A, didn't understand the rule, B, you missed the PR release on safety, C, it was third down, and D, all eight refs were booking dinner reservations at the same time. And then he would say, uh, you know, that's a helmet-to-helmet hit, and we got to fix it, and we missed it, but we will fix it. And I thought, you know, when they got the technology to do it, Reed, and at the end of the year, they can talk about suspensions and fines and all that stuff. But you've got to just start protecting the players a little better. I don't know if you saw the, the USC-Texas football game on the weekend. I did not see it. It went into overtime, and the referee called the coin, coin toss, and then he said, okay, so-and-so will be facing this away. And then he said, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And then he, and he corrected which way they were supposed to be facing, and I thought... What a, an efficient, polite way to me just say, you know, I, I kind of screwed that up. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> so I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. The other comment I had is on pass protection, and I hope I don't know if Jason Moss wants to comment on this. And I don't mind if if I hear something official, but from the from the ask. But gosh, they've got to fix the pass protection. I mean, Mike Riley has had more severe hits in the last month. And all the time he's been here, and it's it's just not working. We need more blockers. We need a fast release on the blitzes. Everybody knows, send five or six or seven guys, and you're going to get to Riley. And it's just uh, it's a concern. He, I'm worried about him. John, I appreciate you calling in so quickly, buddy. Love your passion. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. That Have is John. Day. That's John checking in. His uh, weekly call here on Inside Sports. It's 6.09. My name is Reed Wilkins. We are the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton Eskimos. Jason Moss uh, enjoying uh, his bye week as much as he can. I'm sure he's still very busy. You will hear from him uh, from 7.30 to 8 tonight. Full disclosure, uh, because of uh, the schedule, I actually taped this with Jason earlier and uh, pretty good interview. And uh, he was fired up about uh, some criticism he was taking as well. So he'll respond to that during the course of that show. The Oilers winning both last night. Always nice to uh, win in the preseason. Always nice to beat Calgary, regardless of the stakes. The big story, of course, uh, one of the stories, uh, all the penalties in the two games. 
The Oilers had 17 power plays in the two games. The Flames, 15. 13 of those 32 were from slashing penalties because of the new enforcement. And uh, head coach Todd McClellan commenting on that after practice today. The gentle or the very aggressive taps that are going into players' hands now for, for no good reason at all. Uh, they're really trying to crack down on it. And, um, you know, we can... We can disagree with it, dislike it as individuals or as an organization and a team, or we can embrace that the new rules are going to be called that way and try and uh, perform accordingly. And, uh, you know, it's my understanding that that level or standard of call isn't going to change during the year, so we better be prepared for it. We better practice like it. We better understand it. And uh, if we have a problem with it individually, we better fix it quickly. All right, there's head coach Todd McClellan basically saying there is no use complaining about it. I don't think this standard is going per- to persist throughout the entire season. If you heard me uh, chatting with Andrew at the end of the afternoon news, I was kind of giving Andrew a bit of a hard time because he was saying that too many penalties last night, they can't call it like that, but most of you wanted more penalties called, especially when the Oilers played Anaheim in the playoffs. I can tell you this, and you've probably read this stuff yourself or heard it talked about it on Bob's show or, or, or others, other sports shows. Uh, last year, six power plays per game in the NHL. That's not per team, that's per game. In 05-06, out of the lockout, it was almost double, 11.7. The year before the lockout, when there was supposedly too much obstruction and interference and all that stuff, it was 8.5 per game. So a, a historically low number of power plays per game in the NHL last season. The, that, look, mo- most preseason games aren't that epic to watch. Uh, there's more individual storylines, I think, often as opposed to team storylines and exciting game storylines. I don't mind that they rolled that out last night. I, I mean, I, I don't mind them starting with a tough standard and then pulling it back, and, and obviously you're going to weed out some players who may or may not be able to play uh, at that level. Jeremy from Glendon texting into 630-630. He says, uh, hey, Reed, I'm a fan of the face-off penalty call. I understand the rage the rage about it because it's an unwritten, almost cultural rule to not do a double toss-out, but everyone will see eventually it's a good idea. It helps protect officials. Remember Yakupov's ankle sprain because he was a foot away from the linesman when the puck was dropped there's going to be 15 penalties a game now so that by the season start they're down to 12 and by the playoffs will be at 8 to 10 a game just give players a bit of time to adjust there won't be a penalty parade when the games count that is jeremy from glendon text again to 630 7804960063 is the open line and we have chris from phoenix on line two well good evening chris how are you doing i'm doing great yeah, me too. I had to go for work. Uh, got to listen to the Oiler game last night. Uh, a little disappointed I didn't get to watch it because apparently it's blacked out down here in Arizona. They don't. Uh, I guess the Oilers don't want me to be a fan. So anyway, but uh, I, I, I believe still love my Oilers. I, I believe <laughs> to be fair, the uh, I think the NHL broadcast regulations say when you web stream, you can only make it available within your region, and the Oilers region is the territories Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, whatever it is, what it is. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad the Oilers won uh, the uh, the penalty parade. I, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna be that uh, drastic like it was yesterday. But I think that they will. There will be more penalties called. And and uh, at that at the worst case scenario, even if let's just say uh, they don't call the penalties, I think the fear of them calling the penalties will probably uh, will probably alter the gameplay of a lot of uh, players, which would be great for our guys. Uh, can you imagine if? Uh, 
if uh, defensemen and, uh, and and forwards uh, hesitate or uh, or you know take a double take on McDavid, McDavid will be gone and it'll be over. So uh, as long as the fear is there, and if it was there last year during or this past uh, summer during the playoffs, we would have been in the third round. But uh, unfortunately, they they don't have a, a penalty for. Uh, for Kessler trying to, uh, you know, rip the leg off of our goalie. So it is what it is. It's nice to beat Calgary. I love beating Calgary, especially with their alleged amazing defense that they got, all these all these superstar, all-star defense that they got. And it seems like we're just going to walk around them all. It is what it is. I'm excited. Can't wait till uh, the 4th. Uh, I think we're going to spank them on the 4th. I, I think we're going to beat them probably, I'd say, 5-3. to three. McDavid will get a hat trick, and that's all I have. Let's go, Oilers. All right, Chris from Phoenix. So he's already ready for October 4th, 15 days away. Already making a prediction for the first game of the season. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think here's the thing. Players are going to learn new ways to cheat. So, so they came out of that lockout. They, you know, they wanted to open up the game, call more penalties. So there were tons of power plays. There was more scoring. They tried to limit the obstruction. So, for example, when a forward shoots the puck in and goes to chase it, a defenseman can't really hold him up or get his stick on him. I think you do see less of that, but they, they've just found other ways to cheat. So maybe they'll adjust to this, and then five to ten years from now, there'll be something else that'll have to, that, that'll have to change. I, I think that's just the natural progression of the game. But Todd McClellan said, you know, I mean, he's not complaining about it. He says it's pretty simple. If they're going to not let you use your stick, just don't use your stick. And I think that was always the intent of the rule. Um, you know, you, you have other skills to do those things, angling, timing, um, teammates, you play as five. Uh, but the, uh, the hooking and going into hands uh, is going to be called. And I, I think it was coming out of the lockout in 05, I remember they just said, keep your stick on the ice. As soon as it gets up and gets into hands or, or you go to tug, um, the referee uh, takes note and he watches what happens and it's a cue for him to make a call. And I like how Todd put that. There are legal ways to defend. And I think the league and the coaches are being pushed to remind the players of that. There, there are ways to defend and get the puck away from a guy without getting the stick up in the hands. We have Rocket on the phone line calling in for the second straight day. Hello, Rocket. <laughs> yeah, it seems like I have a lot of time on my hands for some reason, Reed. I'm not sure why. Um, you know what? I, I totally agree with uh, with Todd McClellan and, and, and what he's saying and how he's projecting it to his players. You either adapt or you're going to get called. And I, I cannot tell any coach, any coach that's listening, do not talk to referees. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It never works. It never has. It never will. And I've had teams that I've coached where, where you know, we even had a referee once he said, even told us before the game, even talk to me during the game, even if it's to say hello, and you're getting two. Now, this is, in my opinion, he's a little bit far-right extreme, but <laughs> in his defense, now, is this, he, is this he a... absolutely warned us in advance, right? So you cannot argue with the referees. You have to... You have to adhere to whatever they say on the ice, and, and you know even if they miss a call, you can't put yourself in that kind of a situation where, where it's going to cost you in a playoff game. And, and I think Todd McClellan's done a brilliant job of explaining that again, as he, as he usually does. All right. Now, is it, I, I wasn't sure if that was a hockey or a football call at first when you talked about talking to refs because oh, 
hockey. Yeah, Jason's definitely. obviously got in trouble the last uh, couple weeks on the Eskimo sidelines under uh, obviously different circumstances. Yeah, I mean, look, and I said this to Rob and I said this last night on Overtime Open Line, there, there's bad, there are bad rules and there is bad rule enforcement. And I, and I realize a lot of the spotlight was shone on the younger referee last night, but the league has also said to try to call the game this way. So I'm curious to see how the next two weeks of the preseason will go. Good to hear Welcome. from you, Rocket. Yeah, you bet. Take care. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's six eighteen. Uh, we got more open line time ahead here. You're also going to hear from Keegan Lowe, the former Oil King, now back in Edmonton as a member of the Oilers organization. All ahead on Inside Sport. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on six thirty. Chat. Again until next Saturday, the 30th, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That one's going to be on Kissing Country 103.9. We have the Oilers in Winnipeg tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show. The game will start at 6 here on 6.30. Ched, you can text 6.30, The phone number is 780-496-0063, and we welcome Harry on the open line. Harry, go ahead. Hey, hey not too bad, Elvry. Not too bad. Okay, listen, a couple points. Uh, like I told... Uh, one of your co-workers there, and actually both of them, that the Eskimos were not going to win another game. They're 7-5. and five. They have another, what, five games to go? Yeah, and, six games uh, left. Okay. Six, yes, and uh, they play against Montreal, so they're liable to get that one. They're liable to, but it'll be a close one. Okay, so are they going to win zero games or one games? What's your prediction? I believe that they're going to uh, probably win zero games. Okay. Stick with that. All right. Okay, what's your, what's your other point, Harry? I just wanted to finish off why, why they won't win another game, because it stems off with the coach and whatever he breeds in that locker room. The players have exhibited that on the field, and Mike, uh, sorry, Mr. Riley, is not a Superman. He's going to basically destruct uh, injuries. They come up quicker than he thinks. So uh, the team, the players that are coming back, they need time to adjust. And when they're injured, it takes not one game. Maybe it might take two or three games before they come to their form. Sure, Harry, I want you to make me a deal, okay? And then the other, and the other point... Harry, are you listening to me? I'm asking you a question. I want you to make sure, me a deal, ahead. okay? Go ahead. If the Eskimos don't win a game, I want you to call in at the end of the regular season and remind everybody that you were right. If they win one of their next six games, I, I want you to call in and say you got it wrong, okay? Either way, I'll okay. give you the airtime. Well, that would be nice. Okay. And, uh, I don't come on that often, but once in a while it uh, does. Uh, okay. Does, yeah, so the other point. Make it quick, Harry. I got some things okay. I got to get to. You got 20 seconds. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other one is about the, the slashing and, and the sticking and all that kind of stuff. I believe that is a Mark Messier rule. Doug Messier, when he was coaching his teams, that's all they learned was how to use the stick and made sure that the other players knew if it was a Sherwood or a Louisville kind of thing. So basically, if the players are flashing or tugging, they're not working hard. They are out of gas. They are uh, lazy. they got to get off the ice. Okay, thanks, Harry. Appreciate it. That's Harry, 780-496-0063. You can also text us to uh, 630-630. The Eskimos were seven and zero. They have. Here's a crazy thing, Kellen, and I'm yes, not sir. making this as a prediction. Okay. I'm just putting this out there for pure math. Wouldn't it be funny if the Eskimos won seven in a row, lost seven in a row, and then won seven in a row and won the Grey Cup? 
The math works out. Seven, seven, and seven. Seven, seven, and seven. Because you'd go eleven and seven in the regular season. You'd have to play in a division semifinal. So this is what I'm saying. They could go. They could lose their next two games and be seven and seven. Win their final four regular season games. Finish eleven and seven. Win their three playoff games and win the and win the Grey Cup. And within the same season, including playoffs, they'd have two seven-game winning streaks and one seven-game losing streak. That's actually possible. If you get free sevens in Vegas, you're leaving Vegas smiling. So, well, could I mean, be we the- could put a CFL team back in Vegas and let them fix the national anthem. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, there were a couple other Oilers clips I want to get to this time about the, the face-offs. You'll hear from McDavid and Latestu. We'll catch up with uh, Keegan Lowe. Former Edmonton Oil King, he's back in Edmonton, at least for now. More likely to be with the Bakersfield Condors. He'll tell us about uh, his journey. He was with Carolina. He was in the Montreal organization. And uh, tickets for that big PBR Global Cup in November go on sale Thursday at 10 through rogersplace.com. We'll talk to a bull rider with a great name. He's smooth. His name's Dakota Butter. All coming up inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. 11 saves on 11 shots last night for Cam Talbot. He was the starting goaltender in Edmonton. The Oilers won that game 5-2. He played uh, almost 31 minutes. Then Eddie Pasquale came in. Pardon me, the Oilers also winning in Calgary by the score of 5-4. They are in Winnipeg tomorrow. A little bit more on the Oilers coming up right away. One hour from now, Jason Moss, the Eskimos Coaches Show. I'm hosting that for Morley tonight. Here's a sample of what you'll hear. He thought it was no-brainer that that was going to get called. So, And the fact also is I also know what time of the game it is. There's a minute 30 to go. Do you really think that I'm going to get another opportunity to call another? A, a good, a, 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 a Basically, a better opportunity than that to save my challenge for? Are you kidding me? Like, that's what I don't understand, why people are questioning when I threw my flag. A minute 30 to go in the game, a play that you think you're right there, both your receiver and your coach and the whole sideline sees it, with 1.30 to go in a game in a one-score game. Am I going to save it for another play? What play? All right, a little bit from Jason Moss. You'll get the full interview, full half hour with him. Eskimos coaches show from 7.30 to 8 tonight. Uh, Jason, kind enough to join us, even though the team is on a bye. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you tuning in tonight. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630 in half an hour. This is going to be fun. In the studio with Handles Franklin from the Harlem Globetrotters. Globetrotters. They're going to be in Edmonton uh, the 29th and 30th at the Shaw. His name is Handles. Handles. That's incredible. Handles is his handle. Yes. Well said, Kel. Love it. All right. And uh, the PBR Global Cup, November 9th to 11th at Rogers Place, Thursday, 10 a.m. Tickets on sale, rogersplace.com slash PBR. We'll talk to Kindersley's Dakota Butter. There's a great country name for you uh, a little bit uh, later on this half hour. This is the Oilers report, first of all, for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day, Nisku Ford above expectations. We were talking about the penalty change on this slashing. Also, the face-off violation was prominent last night in preseason games. So there are the lines on the ice, the two lines going into the circle, and then they branch out. You have to have your feet 
outside and behind those lines. Otherwise, you're going to get kicked out or you're going to get a penalty. Here's Oilers center Mark Letestu. At times when they reel these things in, there's obviously something was wrong. And, you know, these they don't take these decisions lightly. So they obviously thought there was something fundamentally wrong with the rule. Uh, they're cracking down on it for now. I don't expect it to stay at this standard uh, where they're, you know, tossing guys out, you know, two dozen times a game. Uh, but I think right now they're just trying, it's more of a teaching aspect for us and we're going to adjust these guys are best players in the world we're going to adjust and we're going to find ways within this system to probably cheat as well so uh for right now it's the it's the standard uh, it's just an adjustment period well and, and mark summed it up there what i was saying about the slashing and the stick fouls we're going to find a way in this system to cheat as well you just have to find what it is you have to find what the linesmen are going to let you get away with i i, I think that what they're trying to do here with the face-offs and with the slash, I don't I don't think that the NHL believes it can be eliminated. I, I think they believe that the violations can be reduced and that they can get the the rule or the game back to a little more what the rule book actually says. You know, I don't think in overtime in the playoffs, if a guy's skate touches the line, they're gonna give him a penalty or even kick him out. Maybe they'll give him a warning if they notice it. But I think they want to establish habits where that isn't happening very much, right? Where the centers just are in total disregard for the lines that are on the ice and are going in early. They're trying to get guys to go in there, pause, set up properly, and, and then they drop the puck. McDavid commenting on these changes as well. Everyone definitely knows uh, knows how it's going to be called. Uh, you know, as forwards, uh, we had a you know, long meeting with the linesman yesterday uh, before the game just about how they're going to call it, what they're looking for, and things like that. Um, that's a little bit of adjustment too, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of always how the rule was. You're supposed to have your feet behind the line. You're supposed to have your stake in the weight. So um, I guess they're just going to be calling a little bit tighter. All right, and again, we'll see uh, we'll see how, how, how this evolves. Uh, Chris and Victoria says, Hello, Reed. I do not share the same opinion as Mark Spector or many of the fans in Edmonton media. I despise all the chintzy love tap penalties. I do not want to see a game of special teams, regardless if the Oilers have the best power play in the league and have speedy players who draw penalties. They call too many as it is based on the score, based on makeup calls, etc. The refs decide every game in today's NHL and should let the players play and decide the game. Last night was a joke, and I hope that's not what we're going to see this year. Call blatant stuff like Kessler last year, uh, but not love taps, and no power play hockey is not exciting at all. That is from Chris in Victoria. Um, all right. Well, Chris, I, I, I know you're an emotional guy. I think we both know the refs don't decide every game in the NHL. Certainly refs calls uh, have, an influenced, uh, have an influence on the games in the NHL. Look, here's, here's the thing, everybody. Um... In some ways, we're all full of it, and I'm including myself, because we all can sit there and say something is wrong with the game, and nobody can agree on what the right answer is. Scoring is a perfect example. We've had discussions on this show about the number of goals in the NHL, and I hear from some people that they don't want to see a 2-1 hockey game. They realize it's a one-goal game. They realize maybe there's good goaltending and still shots on goal, but they don't want to see a 2-1 hockey game. They want to they want to see goals. They want to think that if it's 4-2 with three minutes left, that game might still go to overtime, or the team that's trailing could pull it out in regulation time. Then I hear from other people who say, no, 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 don't worry about the score. It's action, scoring chances, appreciate good good goaltending. So, you know, I, let's let's 
first of all, one, one night in the preseason, they're going to work through it here. Uh, I'm patient to see what happens. I don't mind the, the league coming in a little bit hot and enforcing the rule to the absolute nth degree, like to the h- toughest standard possible. I, I, I do not mind that. But but here's a th- somebody tell me what the right answer is for the average power plays in the NHL in a game. Like if somebody has the right answer and can convince me and everybody else who watches NHL hockey what the right answer is, like I'll buy you "Born in the USA" on cassette by Bruce Springsteen. I will buy you that cassette. I will find it on Kijiji and buy you that cassette, or I'll find it in my collection of cassettes and give it to you. If you can absolutely convince me what the right number of power plays per game is in the NHL. Because everybody, everybody, everybody that I talked to told me that last year in the playoffs was the wrong answer, and everybody told me that last night in the preseason was the wrong answer. So if it's somewhere in between, someone tell me what the right answer is and get everybody that watches the NHL to agree, especially in this part of the world. Well, nobody's called or texted yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like a school teacher here. I can wait all day. I just I'll saw, even flick the lights on and off. I just saw a tumbleweed roll across here. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we don't have any responses. There are... They want to eliminate the slashes on the hands. Let's not forget what happened with Mathot and Crosby last year. That got a lot of attention. I, I, think they wa- I think they want to get this in players' heads that you just don't put your stick up there. In the regular season, are they going to call it every time? Then no, but I, I think they're looking at reduction, not elimination. That's probably the goal. Four power plays per team per game, says one person. Todd says 3.2 per game per team. Now give me my tape. Todd was the first one to specifically ask for the tape, so I guess he'll get it. Todd, you probably already have that tape. Uh, <laughs> no, no, people are sending in numbers. Darcy, the VAC truck driver, 7.38 penalties per game. Darcy, I need an I need an extra decimal point. Can you take it down to the thousandths? Somebody just texted in uh, "read back to sleep." They also spelled my name incorrectly, so maybe that text wasn't meant for me. <laughs> uh, Zach says, "Call everything. Who cares? The penalty is a penalty. Let McDavid fly around and get 140 points. It's part of the game, and it's in the rule book." Well, that's what that, that that's the simplest way to look at it, isn't it? Just actually call the rule book. Uh, Ty says, uh, "I want to forget my thoughts." Dangle digit, lol. <laughs> the the dangle digit. That's absolutely what it was. Yeah, I mean, I, look, we could debate this all night. What do you want to see? Call. I mean, if if each each one of you were put in charge of the NHL rule book, you'd uh, you'd probably all have a different standard. I mean, I'm I'm bugging you guys a bit, and that's fine. And I'm making myself fun of myself too because I you know I criticize stuff and have these standards that probably aren't achievable for the sports that I watch. Tanner's on line seven. Hey, Tanner. Hey, yeah, I was just calling to comment on uh, how many numbers of penalties is the right number. And I think that that question in itself is what's wrong. 
is the game should just be called as what's in front of you. The refs shouldn't have a, an idea of how many penalties they're going to call in that in that game before the game even happens. Right. Well, and that, you know, a text, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Tanner, I'm being somewhat sarcastic, obviously, with this, but I, I guess my point is, it, there's an over the thousands of games by the end of the season, there's an average that is probably more acceptable than other averages. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean, and I guess I'm I'm one of those guys who can't stand the makeup calls. You know, I'm watching an Oilers game, and you know, Oilers got two power plays in a row, and you just know, right? As soon as someone does one little thing. Here comes it going the other way, and you know, and it shouldn't be that way. It should just be they call it as they see it. Not you know, they had two power plays, so now you know the other team's going to get two power plays. It's it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, you're right, and and the playoffs were frustrating times. And the thing for me is, I understand that sometimes the puck carrier might get abused a little bit more. You know, I, did, I didn't like McDavid is going to the bench and he gets his shoulder grabbed and he's spun around while he's stepping onto the bench. Now, having said that. You you probably remember last year against Washington, and Rob Brown brought it up right away. Adam Larson would follow Ovechkin to the bench and slash him on the back of the legs when he was going off the ice. So some Oilers guys do stuff like that too. Oh, for sure. And then of course it frustrates us when it happens to McDavid, but we love it when it happens to Ovi, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tanner, thanks for listening, buddy. Yeah, thanks. That's Tanner, 780-496-0063. Blue Jays up 2-0 on the Royals. That game is in the 7th. Uh, we're going to visit with bull rider Dakota Butter. I know he got pretty banged up at the Calgary Stampede. We'll see how he's doing. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, so we have the Oilers and the Jets tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show. The game will start at 6 here on 630 Chet. Rogers Place, a busy building already. It's barely a year old. You can go to rogersplace.com slash PBR Thursday at 10 a.m. to get single-day tickets for the PBR Global Cup. That's the big professional bull riders event from November 9th to 11th, and I'm pleased to be joined by PBR bull rider Dakota Butter. Dakota, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Now, I'm going to ask you this right off the top. You just said you're doing good. I've covered rodeo before, I've covered bull riders before, and I know there's usually some sort of nagging injury or bump or bruise. Are you actually doing good, Dakota? How's your body holding up? <laughs> yeah, this is actually the best I've felt all summer coming back. I understand you had a bit of a spill at the uh, at the Calgary Stampede. Can you take us through what happened? Uh, yeah, I, I bucked off, and when I bucked off the bull, I kind of fell underneath him and his hind leg came around and stepped on my, my chest and punctured my lung. It punctured your lung? My goodness. Is that the worst injury you've had? Uh, yeah. It, I not This summer, I tore a ligament to my elbow and them two are probably the worst two I've ever had. How much time did you have to miss? Uh, total between the two uh, just about three months. Oh, wow. Did, now, were you able to do rehab and do stuff to keep sharp, or what happened? Yeah, I, I've had to do rehab and physio on my elbow quite a bit. The, the lung was heals pretty quick on its own, so it wasn't really much for that, but the elbow has been quite a bit. Now, when you had the punctured lung, what what did that feel like? Was, was it a little scary when you were down on the ground? 
I, I didn't really notice it at the time. It was, I kind of, my eye was hurting more than anything, so I didn't really notice the lung. It was kind of something they found in, later on in the hospital. Okay, Dakota Butter joining us on Inside Sports. He's going to be part of the PBR Global Cup. Rogers place November 9th to 11th. Don't forget, tickets will go on sale. Uh, single day tickets go on sale Thursday at uh, at 10 in the morning. Dakota, how old are you? 24. And how old, how old were you when you started riding bulls? I started getting on the big bulls for when I was 14, and I started riding steers when I was 8. Oh, geez. Who got you into it? My family was involved in rodeo. Okay, so there's been other bull riders and, and, and people doing rodeo in your family. Do you remember the first time you 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 won a bull riding competition or won a little money doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The very first rodeo I won was uh, a little britches rodeo in Valmarie, Saskatchewan. How old were you? Uh, I think I was twelve, eleven or twelve. I think. <laughs> now, did you get money or just a, a buckle or what? <laughs> I got a little belt buckle, yeah. <laughs> got a little belt buckle. Well, you've gone on to do pretty well. I mean, you're a two-time uh, Canadian champion. You're obviously uh, on the on the PBR circuit. It, it's an interesting lifestyle, and it's one of those jobs where, you know, if, if you don't do well, you, you don't get paid, right? So uh, the, the pressure's on to always stay sharp, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You gotta, if you're not going, you can't be making any money, so you got to be as in good shape as you can. How many times will you ride competitively in a year? Uh, this year, I think I've been to about 30 competitions so far, and there's still quite a few left to go. Okay, and you would have done a few more, obviously, if you didn't get a, get a little banged up. What what do you? I mean, yeah. you've been doing the, you've been doing this since you were a little guy. What what do you like about it? I mean, we mentioned the injuries, and and there is an element of danger involved. What keeps you getting up there weekend after weekend? It's just something you get hooked on it. Like I like the fact that there's animal athletes themselves, and they have just as big a fan base as the riders. It's I, I love bucking bulls and everything about them. They're kind of what I really love about the sport. I mean, when you're sitting there on a bull in the chute before they open the gate, what's going through your mind? And 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 you know, kind of combine that. That do you have a scouting report on the specific bull that you're on that day? Yeah, there's. The bulls that are going, we see them all the time, and they have names, and they all have their set patterns and what they're known to do. And before, when I'm in the shoot before or not, I'm just thinking about what I got to do and do everything right and focus on what what I got to be doing right. Have you ever had a bull that has become a bit of a rival? Yeah, in the past there's been certain ones I've had my number, and there there'll always be new ones coming up that that'll be like that too. Right. Okay. Dakota Butter joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, bull rider. He's going to be in town for the PBR Global Cup Rogers Place uh, in November. You can go to rogersplace.com slash PBR to get single-day tickets starting Thursday at uh, 10 in the morning. Now, how long have you been doing PBR events? Uh, this is my third year, I think, doing the PBR. Tell people who haven't been to a PBR show just about the spectacle and what it's like to witness one of those performances. It's just bull riding. There'll be 30, 35 of the best bull riders, and it's adrenaline action packed. There's, there's nothing like it. It's awesome to watch. Okay, and I mean, they, they build it up, right? I mean, they, you guys are like rock stars when you're walking out with the pyrotechnics and the music, aren't you? 
Yeah, there'll be fireworks and pyro going off. It's it's fun to be be around. What do you think of this format uh, where you're actually representing Canada and you're taking on riders from other countries? Uh, I'm I'm super excited about it. I got to, they had something similar to this when I was younger, and I always wanted to be a part of it. Never got to it, but now that they're having it, I'm super pumped about it. It's we're a single man sport for the most part, and this is one of the only chances we get to really ride as a team. So that's really cool too. I'm I'm excited for that. Right on. That sounds cool. You're from Kindersley, Saskatchewan. Uh, I got I got to ask the obvious question. Do you love the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think their chances are this year? They're doing a little better lately, aren't they? Yeah, they have been doing all right. Uh, who's your hockey team? Uh, I'm a Flames fan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. From Saskatchewan, they got they got a whole bunch of uh, different NHL affiliations for sure. Hey, thanks for making time for me tonight, Dakota. It'll be uh, hopefully I get to meet you when you're in town in November for the big Global Cup. All the best. Good to hear you're uh, getting over those injuries. Thanks. Dakota Butter from the PBR, the Global Cup in Edmonton, November 9th to 11th, rogersplace.com slash PBR for ticket info. All right, coming up to the 7 o'clock news, a little more Oilers chat ahead, and Handles Franklin in studio from the Harlem Globetrotters. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.